You know, there's something about the solid Word of God that's pretty infectious. People get a taste of it, and you got to have more. But God does that by His Holy Spirit. He creates more and more void. At least for me, that's been a, a that's just been a source of growth for me. It's like the more voids that I recognize and ask the Lord to help me with those voids, the more He fills in revelation knowledge, and that's how it's supposed to work, I guess. It's how it works for me. I always tell people, and you all been, you've been around a while, a long time, and you, you've had people that came to you maybe with a, a Bible question. There's a tendency to just blurt it out and answer it. But sometimes if you teach them that if they have a question, it's because the Holy Spirit gave it to them. And we should always recognize those questions as an opportunity for him to teach us something that will build something in us towards our gifts and our callings. Amen? So it's a, it's a secret. And I've had, I've had some interesting experiences with that. One of the most vivid was several years ago we were in California. We got involved with this big church. There's 10,000 people in it, I think, at that time. And we were kind of nobodies when we showed up, but then as time went on, uh, the Lord would have me teach in place of the pastor if he had to be gone somewhere. And I'm not talking about the main deal. I'm talking about it. he had a, his own Bible study. I think it was on a Friday morning, and uh, it was a special deal. But anyway, I would get a call sometimes the last minute. The pastor has to be gone. Can you come over and take the, the Bible study? Well, yeah, no problem. Usually I'd know, know a day or two in advance, but this day I was busy. We had an office within a couple miles of the church, and I was busy and doing what we did, and, and I got the call, and so, man, I've got to be there in like 10 minutes. Well, I, I run out, jump in the car. What in the world am I going to teach about today? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I wasn't thinking about it, but I was, I was hurrying to get across there, and I hear this voice. It's almost like it's sitting on my shoulder. And it was like, what's the first sign of maturity in a believer? I mean, I just as heard it as clear. I'm not saying it was an audible voice, but it should have been. It was right. What's the first sign of a maturity in a believer? And you know what? It was like, okay, Lord, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> I don't have time to talk about this. You tell me. <laughs> and, uh, and just like that, it came back. He said, when they start seeing people through my eyes. And man, I said, I can teach that. I can preach on that one. So, you know, just as a little nugget, you get a void. You want to, understand, you want to know something, ask the Lord to show you. Because he's doing it for you. I always tell people, if they don't know what their gifts are, start analyzing the things that the Lord has illuminated in your life. Go back and kind of look at a summary of that stuff. And it'll paint a picture of what you're called to do. Amen? And it was like I just wrote these little things down. It's like alerting the nation of coming destruction, but arming with the word of God to prepare. You know, there's no question about it that God wants to bless his people. And, but there's something about the idea of getting a hold of God's word and starting that to operate in our life that brings to, puts us into a different realm, right? I talked somewhat over a couple weeks ago about the supernatural, and I, I went to 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and I found this out of the Amplified Bible. In that scripture, 
In the Amplified, it says, The message of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but that is, is it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe. Well, I thought that was a, an interesting statement. You know, we can go humdrum in these things and we can just assume, but it's saying here, the word of God works in you if you believe. But the Amplified has a little note there. It says, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to it and trust in it and rely on it. That's the supernatural. The, the key to everything we do as believers is stepping into that place called the supernatural. And it's really simple when it starts out uh, we've been given a name that's above every name. We've inherited that. We've been given the power of attorney with that name. It's ours to use to do whatever we need to do with it. That's the supernatural. When we, we're here, just uh, I'm me, you're you. We step into that name of Jesus. Guess what? We just stepped into a heavenly realm. Did we not? Does the world know about this? No, the world laughs about this. But see, that alone puts us out there somewhere where God can do something through us. But if we withhold even that simple step, you know, it's like you used to talk about the old, uh, the old Pentecostals. They used to pray through, you know, they'd pray all night and the next day and however long it took and, and they'd, they'd pray through. Well, the bottom line is, he said, come boldly in the throne of grace and that name of Jesus just put us through. Now, I know there's a time you get your body going and you calm it down and you get quiet and all those and there are times that you you're praying like that in intercession uh i guess you call it praying through but you know sometimes that takes seconds sometimes it takes a little more time i mean there's been times when we're in business and i knew the lord wanted to get something over to me and i absolutely had to shut myself down and pray in tongues for three or four hours just to get my body out of this this whatever was going on my soul get my mind just I had to get the mind captivated with what he wanted to get over to me. Well, all of a sudden, three or four hours later, I mean, all of a sudden. And a lot of times that would happen when we were uh, doing a church and so busy in business, and it was like I'd be training in business, and then the next morning I'd have to give a message, and I thought, well, how am I going to do it? Well, he, wanted, he wants it worse than you do. He wants that to go out to people worse than you do. So I just had a little note here. I found these little cards, you know, sometimes, I don't know how you do it, but sometimes I'll get a little little something and I'll just write it on a 3 by 5 card and throw it over my computer and Sandy shows me how messy my desk is. But I just wrote down, boldness is born out of what we believe. How much faith we have in Jesus, God gives ordinary people extraordinary faith. In Acts 4.12, 4.13, you don't have to go there, but I just noted that boldness uh, will impress the world. You know, we believers could make a lot of more difference if we were bold. You know, there's a lot of people out there hurting right now. With all this stuff coming on, I mean, I like to put this in perspective. I just read a summary here, a whole bunch of numbers and events, but you realize we're talking two weeks from today for that ELU, which I barely understand it, but that two weeks from today, there's a potential of some major stuff. I don't know what, you don't know what, unless God's given you a glimpse of something. Two weeks from today, 
our world could change. So, you know, the challenge is what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> tough challenge, but okay, two weeks from today, this world could be different than we've ever seen it. Our life could change forever in two weeks. Not may or may not. We don't know. But a man there, a woman that doesn't prepare with that idea could be missing something. I guess it gets down to what's our place in it, you know. And that gets into, gets into really how we look at who we are and what God expects through us. You know, God loves us. If we're just satisfied to do nothing but be faithful and wait for that first flight out, hey, that's okay with God too, but guess what? He's put gifts in, under, into men and women. He's gifted us. And we, I talked to, I know, three or four weeks ago, uh, 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 talking about gifts and how if we move forward in those gifts, there's a, just a heavenly power behind that when we walk into those things He's called us to do. And just think of the next two weeks. And if we go beyond the, beyond the next two weeks and then on into the blood moon, which is about, what, three weeks later or two and a half through, I don't know what it, what it I didn't add that all up. Uh, immaterial, but without a doubt, I'd say just standing right here today, sometime in the next five weeks, there's going to be some major, major shifts, some major things. And some of us expect judgment on America. You know, I'm not going to prophesy it. I don't want it to be. But that potential's there. I mean, when you stack up what where our world has gone, our nation has gone in the last 12 months. Now that's not just been instant, that's been in the works probably since the 20s when the communism came into our nation. So that's, they've been working there all that time to, to tip us over, to tip our freedom over. You know, I read something, some history on the ACLU one time and, and those guys were sent in by communists, they are communists and they're attorneys. They're not just somebody that showed up and wants to raise Cain. They're educated, smart atheists. <laughs> so they've been working at this since the 20s. I think the root of it's in. Planned Parenthood, what, well, that old gal was around when she started in the 30s, 40s, 40s, I guess, proving the human race. So, you know, these aren't brand new, but they've come to a culmination in our lifetime. Maybe at a pinnacle of for some of us to the time we've been called to. That's how I look at it. God wanted me born sometime else, he would have. If he wanted us to, to have uh, uh, the vision that we've had to start to operate supernaturally, he'd have done it 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But this is a time, is it not? This is a time that we've been prepared for or we're preparing my heart is involved with helping as many people step into the glory as possible. To do that, they've got to be armed with the Word. I mean, it, you've, got to have, you've got to have a foundation in this Word to do it. You know, it takes years, years and years to get yourself solid and work all that out to get yourself fruitful, but all that time you're also working on that concept of God wants you, then taking that out to those around you. I think the biggest problem with, with church in America today, and it's, I don't mean to be critical of anything I say, but I think the biggest problem is they become the church of the highly perfected. 
You know, I had a guy tell me one time we were starting that work in Rapid, and we shouldn't have. I know we, we hadn't been around long enough to be doing anything, but I had a call of God in my life, and I had a great desire to help people. And he just chewed me out one day because he went to another church. He said, why would you start another church? It just happens. But at that time, Mark Plummer had just introduced a recording at a pastor's meeting in Rapid City of what he, he had a vision for a radio station called KSLT. I met Mark Plummer at that meeting. He played this, and I thought it was awesome. Well, uh, I was in the minority in that meeting, of course, with all these old pastors. <laughs> they didn't like that newfangled music. I loved it. Anyway, he said, why would you start a church? He said, you've got this church over here, got that church over there, you got that church over there, and then you could come to our church, and we take you to total perfection. Really? I think he helped me make up my mind. <laughs> I wasn't ready to be totally perfected. Uh, honest to God, honest to God, you know, through the years you run into things. But what is the bottom line? I don't know what the bottom line is. I had all these things I was going to share today, and, and they're still sitting here on some notes. But, but it's like, no, God is preparing some people right now not only to take care of yourselves because there is a glory canopy it talks about in isaiah you know the children of israel coming across there and they had a canopy over them you know they had the fire by night and the cloud by day but the lord spoke to me that to me one time vividly a few years ago i was thinking of my family and the protection because you know this is several years ago and it's just he he took me to that scripture I thought wow because this canopy, I think it's Isaiah 5, 4, 4, 5, or somewhere in there. But it's a canopy, and it's like we're walking with the Lord, and we're standing up for him. We're just walking in this thing. There is a canopy of divine protection. It just is there. And I expect it. Don't you? I mean, I really do. I expect it. Because uh, there's something. one thing we know, if it was good for Israel, it's good for Gentile Christians, born again believers, were part, were part of the church. Uh, okay, let's let's get get into a couple of scriptures here. Let's go to Philippians four thirteen. Very familiar scripture to many of you. And while you're turning there, I just had a kind of a little thought here the other day. It seemed like a time or two ago we were talking about the temptations of Jesus and the fact that when the devil offered him the world, uh, there was. The devil wasn't lying. He, he had it to give him at that time because Satan is the god of this world, right? So in the temptation there in Matthew 28, you don't turn there. Uh, not 28, but Matthew 4, the third temptation was he, he offered Jesus the deal. You have this stuff. You, you know, all you have to do is bow it out of me and you can, you can have this. And I, you know, it's important to know that Satan really did have godship at that point but it's kind of interesting little nugget here i got thinking about this in matthew 28 18 now we have a risen lord he'd paid a price he defeated hell death and the grave and he stands up before his people and he says all authority has been given to me now isn't that interesting in the beginning he had enough willpower to uh, to rebuke the devil and so on and do the things he did but now all of a sudden, after he died for us, did all that, all of a sudden all that authority now is in his hands. So 
just a little nugget, but it's not a little nugget because that means when we step out of the name of Jesus, what do we have? All his authority. Isn't that amazing? So that's one thing he's paying that price for us, gave us. All authority. And he says, then go ye therefore. <clears throat> well, let's go to Philippians 4.13. Uh, you can read this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, when you're thinking about this name of Christ, we've learned this over the years, the name of Christ is the anointed one. Sometimes the anointed one and his anointing is exactly what that means. So uh, in this he's saying, I can do all things through his anointing. Now what did that do for you? It took you past your natural physical ability, did it not? Now what is the anointing? You could read this a different way. Anointing means empowerment. When we step into that anointing, we've been empowered. So, you could read this, I can do all things through the empowerment by the Holy Spirit, couldn't you? What is it you can say amen or oh me? <laughs> so, when you look at that, we in the body of Christ share this empowerment. So when we talk scriptures, you know, when we talk about moving mountains in Matthew eleven twenty three, speaking of the mountains, this gives you a little more reason why we can do that. We speak it, that's the word of God, first of all, but then by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have an empowerment to do that. And sometimes I think the only thing we're lacking is the impetus to do it. Sometimes we let those mountains just, Go right on being in our lives. But see, in these coming times, things that could confront us, speaking of those mountains, could be, let's just say, life or death for you or somebody else. So is it serious? Yeah, well, you know, I don't. Sometimes Sandy says, I get so serious, I start frowning, so I try to smile. But it is serious. You know, you get walking with the Lord who put little things in your spirit man over the years and you say Why did, what, you know, what's that all about and it was like some of those little things that impacted me a long time ago uh, I mean it was like one day I'm walking around I don't know what I'm thinking about but he says do you, do you realize someday you may call the whole uh, it had to do with calling a shot for my whole family and, you know, when the Lord puts a little deposit in you sometimes, sometimes there's no timing involved with it. It's like, it's like you're thinking, is that 20 years down the road, 5 years? Is it 50 years? Will my family all be grown and out there? And, and so, you know, all those, in that brief second, a lot of stuff goes through your process. But you think about that, uh, a man, the head of his family needs to call those shots and then when you it's intercession too when you see people out there you know or things going on sometimes there's mountains and you can many times call those down but guess what if we don't call them down what happens and it's and it's in our court <laughs> I'm not saying there's a judgment but sometimes it's an opportunity to affect somebody's life and you miss it so what do you do well 
I don't care what they say about no repentance anymore and some of their preaching. Uh, for me, I'm going to go ask the Lord to forgive me and give me another opportunity to step into that and do what I was supposed to do in the first place. You know what I mean? I do. I I, I don't want to get off into that, but at the same time, I do. There, I do believe there's a time we need to ask God to forgive us, and I, and maybe God doesn't care, but it releases something in me, doesn't it? And in you, clears you up a little bit, clears your conscience a little bit. I hate it when I know I miss the Lord. I hate it. I just hate it. But see, He'll give you forgiveness of that and give you another opportunity. I've shared some stories along that line, but. But I think that's pretty powerful. I can do all things. How many things can you do? All. How big is all? It's big. Yeah, it's everything. Humongous. Great big. Bigger than anything. Bigger than the devil. Bigger than the problem. It says, I can do all things through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I made that up, you know, so you can't say I'm, but it, it, I didn't make it up, really, because the anointing, the anointing on the body of Christ is what we share, we share in it, and somehow religion likes to tear that down, and somehow their God is way up here somewhere, a big judging God, but the key to all this is that, well, go to 2 Corinthians 12:9. 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 9. And of course, it's hard to quote this scripture without going into the Paul's thorn in the flesh and so on that's been so twisted. But I, I don't want to stop there today. Obviously, if, if you read the scripture quite clearly, regardless of what all the PhDs say, they don't know what afflicted him. Well, it says a messenger of Satan is there to buffet him and... and uh, it, it's not hard to go back and act and see that every time uh, Paul was got around the Jews that hated him, he had those that followed him around and buffeted him. So it wasn't some illness or disease. It was a messenger of Satan, which everywhere else in the Bible is, is demon spirits. They'd work through people and buffet him. Will they buffet you and me? Oh, sure they will if we let them. That's another mountain. They get to buffeting you and trying to stop you in some areas well we call them down that's what paul figured out finally anyway let's move on from there uh, in verse nine well of course he says in verse eight concerning this thing i pleaded with the lord three times that it might depart from me and the lord said to him my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness now the, uh, staying on that course just a touch there what is grace it's the power of the gospel weren't for the power of grace we wouldn't be here it wasn't sloppy agape i used to years ago i call it sloppy agape you know uh, <laughs> you know what i mean you've been around a while but in other words he's saying that the power of the gospel is sufficient for you he might as well kept right on saying when you walk in the authority that i've given you he said that will be no problem for he says my strength is made perfect in weakness now i wrote down here that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, evidently I saw this. Okay, therefore most, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, that could be you and me today, too. We get so wrapped up in, 
in all these problems we have, but if we dwell in that stuff, guess what? We're not really letting that power of Christ. Now, the power of Christ is the anointed one may rest upon him. What is weakness? Weakness there is human ability. You want to rely on your human ability? That's your weakness. Isn't it? Isn't it? Pretty simple, isn't it, when you really look at this thing and let the Lord kind of make it more clear. The weakness spoken of there, Paul didn't have the ability, humanly, to get rid of those harassing spirits. Neither do I, neither do you. Not in our human ability. We can't whip the devil in the flesh. I've heard people say, I'm just going to go kill the devil. No, you're not. He's been defeated already. You're not going to do anything to him. But through the blood, through the name of Jesus, through the word of God, we have total authority over him. Now, we know that from, uh, you know, just scriptures that you know about real well. Let's see. You know, there's something else I wanted to go to. What did he say in Acts 1.8? He says, you wait in Jerusalem. Uh, he said, uh, said, you'll receive power when after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he brought power, empowered us there. There's an empowerment there. Uh, and then uh, in Luke 10:19, which we quote every once in a while, he said, all authority. I mean, he said, I give you authority over all power of the enemy. Well, he's got a, it's got a little story going on here, doesn't it? Uh, things are happening. He's empowering us. We're part of the body of Christ. We're part of that great anointing, the anointing of the anointed one and his anointing. We share in it. You know, I had a thought a long time ago, and, and I've been shouted down a couple of times with it. But when he talks in Ephesians about being at the right hand of the Father and we're seated together with him, and then he talks about another place ever making intercession for the saints. Who do you think that is? Huh? It's us. You can get shouted down with that. But we're part, we're the body. He's the head. Everybody said, well, Jesus, I hope he's praying for us today. Well, it's you and me. We're part of that body. He's the head. We're the rest of it. But he's empowered us to do that. You know, I just think the boldness that I'd like to impart is that when we, when we step into these things, we make a difference. Sometimes it's profound. Even, even asking God for open doors of ministry is an example, which I've done quite a bit. And watching some divine appointments start to take place, even in the last three months, it, it's amazing. But we, we, we through, through that, we're empowered, and He needs us to request those things. We're His voice in the earth. You know, through the years, good old saints have walked with him forever, said, look, if we don't call it into action, it may not happen. He needs us to call that in. Why? We're the, we're the intercessors left on the earth. Left us down here. We're umpiring. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that word came from. So let's, here's, here's one other thing, and I'll close with this. But go to Romans. Something tied into this for me here. Starting in verse... 17. Through the coming weeks, I think I'll hit this thing of being heirs a lot more because it's so powerful. But here it says, uh, well, in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And verse 17, and if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. And then 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And, and actually, I think the Amplified says, for us. But here's 19. I want you to think about this. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now back up here in 17, the Greek word there for children means born one. Or born again one, it could say. Can you imagine... All of creation right now is waiting for you and I to step up the plate. Can you imagine that? But an, another thing I read that has something to do in 18, which could be also the rapture. And that's kind of interesting. If God would choose one of these coming dates, which I'd... I'd really doubt it I think we've got more time but I don't know how do I know <laughs> if he'd happen to choose one of those dates and we're bloop gone do you think everybody's going to notice that somebody's going to notice it but creation is waiting I mean I take it personally creation all of creation is waiting for us to step up to the plate and more or less, you might say, be different from the world or also to let this supernatural, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit begin to take root and get us to move out abruptly into things we've never wanted to do before. You know, that's what empowerment is for, right? But there's something about humans we've got to get past ourselves. We have to get past ourselves. And if and if, if it's healing that we need, you know, physical ailments, what did God do when he's ready to bring them out of Egypt? Healed them all. Right? There's a time when we step out into God's plan that some of that stuff's got to come in line. We have to insist on it. Something not right in your life, insist on it. That's what he wants. I don't know, I don't know how to say this in other terms, being a cowboy, but he wants us to have the guts to, to believe him. Courage is a better word, I admit. But he wants us to have the courage to step out and do those things that are beyond us. And we need to recognize the voice of fear in it. Right? Best way to do that, I refuse to fear. But any hesitation, now I know we're led by the Spirit of God. I know that we're led with peace. He can speak to us. He can do all whatever he wants to to get it over to us. He's going to put things in front of us in these coming days. And we have a choice. We can step into them or we can back off. I don't think I want to. You all, anybody identify with that? I don't want to do this today, Lord. You know, it's like the guy that his mother wakes him up in bed and his wife does and he's tired and he partied last night at the wedding reception and he said, I don't want to go to church today. And she says, but you, you need to go to church, son, or husband, whatever he was. 
No, I don't want to go to church. Why do I need to go? Well, you just need to go to church. Well, what's the main reason I need to go to church? Well, because you're the pastor. <laughs> so I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Uh, but it has something. But I can just say in summary, you know, we've covered some ground today. We've talked about some ugly things that could happen. But, you know, there's a pretty good pretty good thing here. If they've happened in the past, they might happen in the future. I don't know where you were in 911. I know where I was when uh, you know you know where you were in certain times so if, if something's happened on every one of those anniversaries hey we can expect something to happen but we don't have to be in fear of it being in fear of it is just the wrong thing that that's the antonym of faith is that right opposite absolute opposite of faith we need to be steadfast we might be the voice of our city we might be the voice of our block, might be the voice of our family, whatever the voice is. Sometimes you're the voice of your household. You know, somebody else in your household gets a little rocked by something, you need to be the steadfast one. Say, no, that's not going to happen today. You know, we get weak days, don't we? We get days when things don't seem quite as rosy as they did, and we, we're going to be this con world conqueror, and then you wake up some morning, you don't quite feel that way. <laughs> you think, what happened? And so you complain a little bit, and then... And your wife or husband straightens you up a little bit. Anyway, I just wrote a little bit about the today people in America are full of self-interest. And the antonym of that is interest in others. And I thought about if, if you have vision, the desire is not to be famous. But the desire is to reach the most peop possible people you can with your gift. That's the that's vision. You know, if you've got something big in your heart, that's all right. It still gets down to reaching as many people with what you have as possible.